Well, um, without further ado, I'm gonna uh, we're gonna have somebody come up right now. Robert's actually gonna, Robert Hill is gonna come up and uh, give a little little something real quick, and then uh, just get ready. Hello, everybody. In case you don't know me, I'm Robert, also known as Josh's boss, <laughs> also known as Bubba to my family. Um, you know, me and Josh, it's kind of neat because not only does he work for me, but he's a good friend, and we get a couple hours of work done a day and about six hours of Jesus stuff most of the time, so we're pretty blessed. Um about three or four years ago, he came to me and wanted to do a Bible study. And uh, I was reluctant because I was like, all I could think about was the carpet and the couches and 60 kids in my house. And it just turned out to be a blessing. And uh, I kind of forgot about the carpet. I was kind of hoping now it gets really dirty, you know, because I know a lot of kids are there. So we had... Uh, a young man come, started coming to the Bible study, and he's a pretty special guy. Um, me and Josh, we get a chance to, to talk, and this young man uh, really impressed us as far as his love for God and Jesus. And it, it become kind of a burden to us. We have this prayer time every day that we try to get in and we have a prayer list and this young man was the top of our prayer list and it started about two or three years ago and every every day we'd get up and we'd pray and he'd be the, the one of the first ones we prayed for and we just asked the Lord to just give us wisdom and give us insight to just just to how to get close to this young guy and we became friends with him and he's been a blessing to us because me and Josh were not too good with computers and so every once in a while we forget how to turn it on and we we call him up and he comes over and he says you got to push that button right there Josh <laughs> Robert you have to remember there's how come the uh, screen isn't on you got to push the button to make it light up so and he does say, he comes all the way from Corona. The drop of a hat, boom, there he is. And he does that just because he's a neat guy and he loves the Lord. And it's a blessing to us that he comes to our Bible study. And it's a blessing to us that he's a friend of ours. And tonight he's going to come up and he's going to share a devo and kind of a testimony. And I'm so proud of him, I just got to let you know that me and Josh, you know, we'll do anything for this young man. And and so I, I asked Josh today, you know, I said, Josh, can I introduce him? I mean, I'd like to bring him up because I think he's just special. And Josh said, oh, snap. <laughs> you little buster. Because <laughs> he wanted to do it, you know. But, but I'm the old guy, so so I have priorities. So. Anyway, I don't want to waste any more time. I want to bring Robert up, and he's going to share with us tonight. And I just would like to pray real quick, if you guys don't mind, uh, with Robert.
And dear Lord God, we are just, you know, we're so privileged, we're so thankful, and we are so blessed, God, that that you're here with us tonight, that we have this opportunity, Lord, to just be ministered to by you. And God, I ask that you be with Robert tonight and just strengthen him, Lord, and and we know, God, that you'll speak through him tonight. And I ask you be with Josh tonight, Lord, and that you just speak through him tonight your words, God. And I ask you just draw us close in Jesus' name. Amen. I wasn't expecting that intro. It kind of threw me a little bit. Um, you know, I'm just going to pray. And uh, I pray that you have ears to hear. So uh, let's pray. Lord, I just... I just thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Thank you for your love, Lord. I thank you for just the the people you put in my life, Lord. I pray that uh, your word would come through me, Lord. I pray that uh, whoever needs to hear this would hear this, Lord. I pray that they would hear your word and not mine. I thank you, Lord, and I love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, I'm going to be in uh, Matthew 17, 14. Um, before I get started, just, you know, I've been walking with the Lord, um, uh, for four years, Thursday will be four years. Um, changed my life so much. Uh, I would have never imagined being up here right now. Um, but I have something that I learned something that I feel can be applied to everybody's life. So Matthew seventeen fourteen. At the foot of the mountain, a huge crowd had waited for them a man came and knelt before Jesus and said Lord have mercy on my son he has seizures and suffers terribly he often falls into fire and into water so I brought him to your disciples but they could not heal him Jesus said you faithless and corrupt people how long must I be with you how long must I put up with you bring the boy here to me then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and it left him from that moment on from that moment the boy was well afterwards the disciples asked Jesus privately what would why couldn't we cast out the demon you don't have enough faith Jesus told them I tell you the truth if you had the faith even as small as a mustard seed you could say to this mountain move from here to there and it would move, and nothing would be impossible. Nothing would be impossible. Um, I really don't think I believe those words until now. Um, sometimes you can read the Bible, and sometimes it ends up just being words. doesn't really touch you. And um, just in this... Um, just in the last few months... Uh, 
the Lord has just been has just been teaching me that those words are real. Um, for the past few months, I've been on a diet. Um, you know, you see, I've been overweight for most of my life. I've done all the diets, I've done all the diet pills, and, and nothing's really been successful. Uh, for me, losing weight was impossible. I had just given up. Two years ago, I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. A year after that, I was told I had high cholesterol, high blood pressure. These are all things that are associated with being overweight. I was all, I was at the point where I was taking 10 pills throughout my day. And then one day, my birthday, one of my best friends came to me and said, was there anything I can do to help you lose weight? I don't, I think the only reason I listened to him is because he said, is there anything I can do? Um, sometimes we want to help people, we want to give them the opinion, but we don't want to step out and help. So maybe that's why I listened to him. So I started, so I decided to go and see my doctor about discussing a diet. Um, I started the diet really nervous, worried I would fail like I had done so many times before. But I decided to trust in my king, that he would get me through it like he had done so many times before. So I started the diet, and the first week I lost eight pounds. The second I lost five. The third I lost three. And then something the something happened. Even the doctors didn't understand. My diabetes was gone. I was healed. Now, if you know anything about diabetes, I have type two diabetes. It could go away, but it's not a guarantee. I believe if it had anything to do with any diet, it would have gone away much later. And no doctor or anybody will tell me it was anything than the miracle that I was received by the Lord. And I'm so grateful for that. You know, I've said that to a few people close to me that You know, the Lord has given me this miracle, and I don't, I don't feel I deserve this miracle. Um, there's so many other people that suffer every day with so many things that are so much worse. And I would truly give it back. I would take my diabetes back for somebody else to be healed. Um... 
it's just something that I have to share every time that I say that. Um, so now I stand here, 67 pounds less than when I started four months ago. Um, I'm not going to say it was easy. There were times when it was so hard. But I would just turn to my Lord and ask, Lord, please give me strength. And He always would. And He always will. So you see, it wasn't my strength or my discipline. It wasn't some miracle diet. I lost weight and I was successful in my impossible thing because I trusted in my Lord Jesus Christ. And all the glory goes to Him. So I ask you, what is your impossible thing? I can say I know if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed that you will be successful in that impossible thing. Not because I was, because it's promised to you right there in that verse. Jesus said it. Nothing would be impossible. Now I remember a while back um, Jeremy used to tell me every time I saw him um, Philippians 14 says we can do all things through Jesus Christ not some things but all things so in closing I say to you what is it I say go do your impossible thing have the faith the size of a mustard seed because with our God nothing is impossible Amen now just um just had one more thing um you know with all of the the things the Lord has done the diabetes losing the weight being more healthy though the thing that I feel that I'm most excited about is how close I am to my king right now and it's not because of how he blessed me it's because I spent so much time with him and I feel I really know my king now so when you go and you're doing that thing and you feel you feel like there's no one to turn to you turn to the Lord and he will always give you strength and I just, just want to close in prayer Lord I just I just thank you for this this opportunity to Lord I thank you for just giving me the words to speak Lord I thank you for using me Lord and I pray that these would these people here Lord would just go after that thing that they see as impossible in their life Lord and I pray that you would just give them the strength to get through it Lord I thank you, Lord, and I love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Wow.
Check one, two, check. Check one, two. Yeah, that's good. Is that all right? Okay. Amen, amen, and amen. You know, and I think of that, just as Robert said there at the end, um, uh-huh, uh-huh, nothing will be impossible. Um, and there are things that we'll face, giants that we talked about last week and that God is just going to continue to pull through. It's it's a journey, it's a step, and he's still on that journey, still walking step-by-step step with the Lord, seeking his face daily to get through hey, his impossible thing, to continue to seek that Seek the face of God daily and whatever it may be. And it just warms my heart. It blesses me, you know. Even for Robert, he told me before, just even standing here and, and, and bringing the Devo, an impossible thing. But, man, I, just awesome seeing where he's coming, where he's going. And so I praise God for that. Uh-oh. You know, one time I was riding my motorcycle, and they put the spotlight right on me. Like, bam. And I'm just like, what's going on? What's going on? They didn't pull me over. <laughs> well, First Samuel chapter 24 tonight. If you turn your Bibles, let me pray. Father, we come to you asking, Lord, that you would minister to your people. Please, Father, say, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask and it shall be given unto him. I lack wisdom. Please, would you give me some, King? Would you minister to your people? Let them hear your voice. Me too. In your name, amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter 24. Remember last week we looked at David and Goliath, the classic story in the scriptures. We saw that giant get knocked down, and, and right after that, David, you've heard it many times, he's like now on the radio there in that day. And everybody's all stoked on David because, hey, well, he knocked the giant down. He saved the Israelites of the Philistines. And everybody's all stoked on David and excited about David. But David isn't king, remember? Who is? Saul is king. And Saul is jealous. And so he starts to pursue David and try to kill him. And David flees. And David flees and he is still fleeing. And that's where we're at here in chapter 24 tonight. So let's start in verse 1. Here we go. You ready? It came to pass, when Saul returned from following the Philistines, that it was told of him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Okay, stop there. He's in the wilderness of Engedi. I've been there. And it is sweet. It is amazing. This place, Jay, you remember Engedi? You didn't get, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. We didn't get to hit it on the second way around. We ran out of time. But, um. Let me let me tell you what Engedi is. Engedi is like this place. Okay, the Dead Sea. If you're driving on the freeway there, if you're driving on the road to the Dead Sea, you're going up in this kind of a mountain, but it doesn't really look like a mountain. It's all rocks and desert. On your left is the Dead Sea. You're overlooking the Dead Sea. Remember, the Dead Sea is the lowest place on the face of the earth. Water runs in, but none runs out. Nowhere. Everything just dies there. It's it's 30% salt or something like that. If you lay in the Dead Sea, you float. It's awesome. And uh, it makes your skin feel good, too. But then, and, don't get it in your eyes. You're dead. And Getty is right across the way from the Dead Sea, though. And Getty, and, and what happens is, you have no clue. It's like, you're looking. Okay, so Dead Sea over here. Here's, um, it's just mountain. It's rock. And you see no desert. I mean, you just see all you see is desert. You see nothing more than that. Just rocks, just like Riverside sometimes. Just all desert and dead and 
Anyways, all of a sudden, you walk into this little crack in this mountain. You walk, you start walking up into this crack, and all of a sudden, there's this waterfall running through the entire thing. And all in this place, in Getty, it's so lush, and it is so green. It's like a jungle in there or something. It's just like so beautiful absolutely breathtaking we started hiking through it me and my buddies we stopped and we jumped in the there's it's just like it's movie it's like totally like a movie like we're playing in the water there's a waterfall running right here you know we're just goofing off and dunking each other and just having a blast and then you just keep walking up and you keep walking up deeper and deeper into this place in getty and it's just more lush and then you get into the middle of this thing and you would never think in a million years that right over one of these the sides of these walls is dirt and rock no, it's just all green and lush. And so, did you see what it just said there? This place in Gedi, it said, And it came to pass when Saul returned from the fo- from following the Philistines that it was told to him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. David is in Engedi. He's hanging out there. He's hiding there. If I was to hang out anywhere, that's where I'd hang too. Man, that place is awesome. My buddy Christian, he went and stayed there for a couple of days and just hung out, just enjoyed the, the waterfalls and, and just the beauty there. Anyways, let's look what happens. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And it truly is the rocks of the wild goats. This place in Getty, there's these things called, oh man. Ibex, yes. These wild goats, they're called Ibex. And a shofar, if you've ever seen one, a shofar is the, it's the horn that the priest blows. You know, this this kind of horn. And we got one at the house like this big. We had like the biggest one in Israel. I searched high and low for this thing. We got it. And uh, anyways, these these wild goats, they're ibex, and they, they like walk up the mountains. Like it's just crazy. They walk up the hills. They, they can rock on steep rocks, climb places you could never climb. And they got these massive horns on them. And you can get pretty close to them. And so the place of the wild goats, that's definitely uh, where David is there in Engedi. And verse 3, and he came to the sheepcoats by the way, where was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet, and David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. So David was kicking it in this cave, right? Just enjoying and getting, enjoying the place of the wild goats. And guess who walks in? Saul. But David's hidden. They're hidden in the sides of the caves, right? So it's like if, um, I don't know, say this is a big cave, we're in it. And you're Saul and his men, and I'm David, and I'm like way over there in the corner, and I see all you guys start walking, and I'm like, oh. And, and, and David and his men are sitting back there deep in the cave, and they hear Saul and his men coming in. Now Saul is coming to pursue David. He wants to kill him. He wants to take him out. That's the whole purpose. Like he, he wants to come kill him. So can you imagine if you guys were coming to kill me, I'm hiding in the cave, and it's like, uh-oh. And there, there, there's Saul. Who wants to be Saul? Tyler, you want to be Saul? Okay, Saul, there he is. There he is. Saul is leading his men and women. There were no women, but men and, <laughs> and uh, into the cave. And I'm hiding deep within the cave. And look what happens. Verse 4, And the men of David said unto him, David's men, Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thy hand, thou that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose. Wait, stop there. We're not going to see what he did first. But David's men whisper in his ear, Hey, hey, David, David, look. There's Saul, your enemy. The day has come. The day has come for you to go and kill him. 
It's like, look at it, it's right there for the taking. I could see Saul probably kicking back. It says he's going to uncover, uncover his feet or to relax or something like this. And so he kicks back and there's his men and maybe he's off away from his 3,000 men and he's sitting there in the cave by himself and David is sitting there and maybe Saul falls asleep or something. Sitting there kicking back, hanging out. Tyler, you falling asleep? And my buddies tell me, go kill him. It's your opportunity. Take him out. The Lord's given him into your hands. Look what David does there at the end of verse 4. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. So what happens? David sneaks up, creeping up, nice and slow, probably scared to death, like looking back at his guys, and his guys are like, go, go. He's like, okay, okay. Maybe they got a rope tied to his leg in case something happens. You know, they just drag him back. So he's like creeping up all nice and slow. Maybe maybe he, he, he hits a rock and it like falls over like three feet, and he's like, and then he starts crawling again, you know, and he's like trying to hold his breath, trying to be all quiet. You see Saul move or something. <coughs> he creeps up close to him. And he doesn't kill him. He's, he takes off. At the bottom of, of the king's robe, what would be is something called zitzit. And if you're in Israel, you'll notice this. If you know a Jew, you'll notice this. That zitzit is around the, their belt. It's this, these little um, pieces of string tied in knots. And they, they fall down all the way the, down the back side of them and in the front here. And they wear them. It's just like this big. It's just like a, this, about that big. They just hang. And these zitzit, they're knots. And what these knots represent is the 613 laws of the rabbis. The Old Testament. This, so these zitzit hangs around them. And it would, back in that day, in the king's day, they would hang around the bottom of the robe. So David walks up and cuts a piece of his robe off or would cut off some of the zitzit. And that's exactly what he's doing. So he's walking up. Look what he's doing. Has an opportunity to kill him and just cuts off a piece and goes away. And look at verse 5. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him. Because he had cut off Saul's skirt, or zitzit. We'll stop there. What? The opportunity is there. For the taking. David's men have whispered in his ear, David, oh, there he is, man. Go get him. You, you, have, you killed giants. You've killed men. You could do this. Take out this king. You're the one who's anointed. We all know you're the one who's supposed to be king. What is this Saul guy doing in that position anyways? Go take him out. God's delivering him into your hands. So David creeps over, cuts, cuts off some of his robe and comes back. And what does David do? His heart smotes him. His heart is heavy on him. He, is, he feels guilty. What have I done? What, what am I doing? Now this is absolutely amazing. And we're going to see why right now. Look at this. This is crucial. This is exciting. Verse 6, and he said unto his men, David goes back in the cave into his men, and what does he say? The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing that he is the anointed of the Lord. What? What? They, I wonder if his men were looking. So David walked back, crawls back to his men and says, and his heart smotes him. And he's probably sitting there like, Whoa, what have I done? And, and he starts telling the guys, hey guys, don't be celebrating. Don't be all happy. Lord forbid that I 
do something and cut off the skirt of the Lord's anointed that I make him look like a fool? What am I doing? God forbid that I chase after his position. That is who God has placed there. God forbid that I want what he has and try to tear him down in some kind of way. Look at the heart of David. Isn't this amazing? Let me read it again. He said, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master. What? Remember, Saul was trying to kill him. Saul's trying to kill him. And what does he call Saul? His master. The Lord's anointed to stretch forth my hand against him. Seeing he is the, the anointed of the Lord. He says, God forbid that I stretch my hand against him in any way, shape, or form. For he is the Lord's anointed. Oh, ho, ho. For there is so much that we can glean from this point right here. There are many within the church that maybe you look at and say they shouldn't be in that position. Or maybe in your family. Or maybe at your work. They shouldn't have that. I should have that. Maybe you say, no, I, I, Josh, I don't think that far. But I don't, I mean, I don't know if they're the right person to be doing that. Oh. And maybe the opportunity comes for you to step in and do something. And you're just like, yes. Here's my chance. Here's my opportunity. To make, so I can shine, so everybody can see. You got to understand, family, that I deal with this a lot my own heart when I have an opportunity to speak to crank an event or something when I have the opportunity to lead worship or do something at some something excited like here's my time for me to shine here's my time for me to step out and show everybody that I am better than so and so and I deserve a position that God should use me Lord hello don't, don't you see who I am I'm Mr. Faithful I study all day I pray to you don't you know that I know a lot I did kill a giant. And we think we deserve something. But David, oh, the man after God's own heart, who steps in that direction and his heart smotes him. That's powerful. That is a man after God's own heart. One that would chase after position in any place and recognize that that is not your position, because for God does not have you there right now. So that's not your position. What is your position where He has you right now? And for you to step out and desire, or want, hey, it's okay to have vision. Without vision, my people perish, yes. But to start seeking after, or going too far, maybe putting that person, well, they don't, well, you know, they don't do worship that good anyways. You know, like, yeah, I heard you mess up on that point. Yeah, I heard. They teach a Devo and you're just like, yeah, I mean, that was good. Kind of blessed me. <laughs> they teach a message and, yeah. And I know I can think of one. I, I'll bring it up. I will. I'll be open with you guys. I'll be personal. The pastor I sit under for many years that I've looked to many times even within my heart and say, it's not working shouldn't be there. Somebody else should. And my heart has not smote me until this moment now. 
And what a bummer, family. That we would look to someone and think such a thing and a heart would not smote us. Where are we at in our walks with the King? Are we the man after God's own heart, the woman after His heart, that, hey, even when they're at work or they're at in your family and, hey, something's happening, be very careful of envy. I have warned you. I've spoke these things to you many times here at the study. But be very careful of wanting something that is not yours. And be very careful to try to seek after something that you're not supposed to be in because it could be the greatest disaster of your life for you to step somewhere that you aren't supposed to be and to have something you are not supposed to have. And I hope that your heart would smote you here in this moment. And you say, Lord, that is your anointing. Listen, one of the men I greatly respect, you know, I'll just say it. When I was in the desert, John was teaching us, John Corson, and and he started saying something about someone else, and I won't mention you, but he started saying something, and hey, it didn't even come, it, it was no big deal to us. It was just like, oh yeah, he's just informing us and letting us know about something so that we can practically have it within our lives and have some wisdom and illustration for us. Like, okay, so he's teaching us something, and here's a picture of that, and this is what happened, and he mentioned someone's name. And he came back to us the next day, almost in tears. And John's like, guys, I'm sorry. For I cut the hem of the Lord's anointed. And God has placed him in position, in that position for a certain reason. And I'm so sorry. And I'm sitting there like, John, it's okay, man. I, I didn't even run. Everything's cool. No, no, no. He, he had to make a point to let us know that he was incorrect in speaking badly about another brother. Be very careful. Be very careful when you speak badly about another pastor. Be very careful when you speak badly about another church. Be very careful when you speak badly about anyone in the body of Christ, for that is the Lord's anointed, and they're in a position for a reason. And God forbid you rise your hand up and strike them or cut them something off their, their hem to make them look like a fool. For David would say, the man that is trying to kill him, I have done wrong. What? David, you have reason. He's trying to kill you. That's a great point. Put him in his place, his boys would tell him. And God would say, no. No. You, me, we need to keep our mouths closed, family. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. One of my buddies, one of my close buddies, I won't mention his name, but man, he barely talks. One of the sweetest guys I've ever met. You know, when he does speak, like, I'm all ears. Like, okay, he's going to say, come on, here we go. What are you going to say? Come on, tell me. Like, I'm so excited to hear him. People who talk a lot, not exciting to hear them. Because he's Babylon, like me, all night, just Babylon. Be quick to listen. I've definitely learned that. And I, if you watch, if you watch a man as he grows old, he will speak less. And less and less. For it's great wisdom. He knows when to speak. He knows when not to. Be very careful what you say about anyone. I rebuked one of my brothers just the other day. I'm like straight to his. He's saying something about the church. And I said, hey, you will stand before God for the words that you just said. 
You better be sure that you're right on about that. For you to call out another believer, for you to call out another church and to say they are wrong in something, you better make sure you're dead on. For you stand before the king for these things, and so will I. That's why I just choose to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> sure, we can give different pictures and movements and talk about the, but to talk about the specific, to call out Saul specifically, to cut his garment, be very, your family, be very careful. Christian, that will come to bite you in the back. To say something about someone else. To cut off the hymn thinking that you're getting... It's not worth it. Be quick to listen. you got two ears. One mouth. Just shut that yapper. No more talking. Truly. You'll be blessed. Let's go on to see what happens in this story. We're there in verse 7. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. (laughs) He exhorts them. Hey, fellows, I know Saul's trying to kill me, but don't you dare do a thing to him. David's trying to kill It'd be like if somebody was trying to kill me and Jay's just like, let me at him. Like, Jay, put your sword away. (laughs) Jay cuts off his ear. (laughs) Then I heal him. I don't know. Sorry. Suffer them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. David also rose afterward and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My Lord, the King. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. Oh, Father. So Saul leaves the cave. David leaves the cave. And as Saul's walking away, David says, Saul, my Lord and my King, and drops to his face and bows. What? The book of Proverbs tells us that when you do goodness to someone who hates you, it's like heaping coals on their head. When you do good to someone that you have a problem with, you're heaping coals on their head. Now don't do it to heap coals on their head. No, 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 you're missing it. But to bless someone when they do not deserve it. In relationships, this is absolutely crucial when you are married one day. When, hey, the other has been a jerk. (laughs) Then to come up and to bless and to bow Let me massage your feet. What? We just got in a big fight. Yeah, no, I just want to bless you. Oh, it's over. (laughs) Guys, you're dead. (laughs) And ladies, you're swimming in clouds, you know, after something like that goes down. Is it not true? Look what David does. I could see Saul stomping around there in Israel ticked off at David these past weeks, running around trying to kill him and trying to light him up when he said, oh, oh, and maybe telling his boys day and night, you just wait. You just wait until I see David. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop kick him like nobody's ever seen. I'm gonna, next, I threw the spear already, but next time I'm going to hit him. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So Saul hasn't seen him. And all of a sudden, Saul walks out of the cave. And the next time Saul sees David, what does David do? Saul, my lord and my king, falls on his face. Wow. Maybe your parents are being a jerk to you. Maybe your brother, sister, friend, boss, I don't know who, but maybe you need to bow your face to the ground and bless them. But Josh, you don't understand. Yes, I do. For Saul was trying to kill David, and he laid his life down. Is there anyone trying to kill you? I don't think you have it as bad as David. And David bowed his face anyways, didn't he? Amazing. May we bless those who curse us. Amen? Look look what else happens. It gets more intense. Verse 9, David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how that the Lord had delivered thee to the day into my hand in the cave. And some bade me kill thee. But mine eyes spared thee, and I said, I will not put forth mine hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Stop right there real quick. So David starts to explain what happened. He said, look, buddy. Look, man, Saul, listen. My Lord, listen. I had the opportunity to kill you, and some of my friends, my buddies, they told me, go and kill him. And I came to them and told them, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. Verse 11, moreover, my father, see ye. See the skirt of thy robe in my hand? For in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe and killed thee not. Know thou and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in my hand, and I have not sinned against thee. Yet thou huntest my soul to take it. So he starts to confront Saul and says, Look, man, look, I I want peace, okay? I, I had the opportunity to take your life. Look, look, I have your garment. Maybe Saul looked down and there on his robe is a little piece cut out of his seat. He's like, oh. Like when you were sleeping, I had an opportunity to take it from you. He said, but I chose not to. I will not, I'm will not. i not going to sin against you. And he says, but you still seek to kill me. Look what happens. And the Lord's ju- he says, the Lord judge between me and you. And the Lord avenge me of you. But my hand shall not be upon you. He says, look, man. I, I'm not going to do anything to you. I'm not going to fight. I'm going to let it go. You know what? That's a great point. If you're in conflict with somebody, you know what you need to do? You need to build the bridge as far as you possibly can to them and make things better. Yes. But they did this. Doesn't matter. You, for God has forgiven you, and He has blessed you in many amazing ways. And you, Christian, listen, you have got, if you have problems or conflict with anybody in any way, in any brother, in the family or the body of Christ, you need to go and make amends with them. What do you mean, Josh? You need to go and build the bridge as far as you possibly can where your hands are clean. I've done everything that I possibly can. I remember I was in conflict a while back. To tell you the truth right now, there's no one that I can think of that I have a problem with or things are at odds or it's kind of like weirdness in the air that I can't go and approach and talk to. None. And I don't stand here to say to boast of myself. It's a work that God has done in me. But I remember a time when there was some conflict and somebody was just hating on me. So, I went and got flowers and brought it to the person, even though they are hating on me. And I did everything. I wrote a letter out, really graciously, the best that I could, and just built the bridge as far as I possibly could. And they even got more mad at me. 
<laughs> but I did everything that I could, you see. You, you, you build the bridge as far as you possibly can. You do whatever it takes. And your hands are clean. What else can you do? That's it. And we as Christians, I believe, should do that. You should be all things to all men. And people should be hating you because of Christ. Not because you've been an idiot. Go and make amends. Go do what is right. And even if they've sinned against you and you've done nothing wrong, go make amends. It is your duty. For Christ has done nothing wrong. And He made amends for us. He built the bridge to us. We are the ones who did wrong. We should be building the bridge to Him. We should be living up to the law perfectly. But He did everything for us. Understand? Let's move on. Verse 12, the Lord... I'm sorry, I already read that. Verse 13, And saith a proverb of the ancients. Interesting. I didn't get a chance to look that up and study it for you. I'm sorry. Proverbs of the ancients. Wickedness proceedeth from the wicked, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom does thou purest? I'm sorry, pursue. After a dead dog, after a flea? The Lord therefore be a judge, and a judge between me and thee, and see, and plead my cause, and deliver me out of thine hand. And look what happens. So after David finishes giving this speech to Saul, it came to pass when David had made an end of speaking of these words unto Saul, that Saul said, In thy voice, my son David... No, he said, is this, my vo- is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He breaks down and cries. He's broken. And sometimes this will be the result, and other times it won't. But look, what's, look what happens. And he said to David, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded good, whereas I have rewarded you evil. One of the greatest things you could ever do is bless someone when they have hurt you. To do good to them when they have wronged you, when they've talked bad about you. I remember when I was in the desert, there was one guy that I did not get along with. Oh man, we had a hard time getting along. And I bunked with him too. Father put him there, I swear. And man, I just had a hard time. Yeah, I'll I'll speak, speak freely. Everything's cool now, it doesn't matter. But I just always felt like he was... It's my, it's my bitterness coming forth. I'm not going to share that because that's wrong. But I just always felt that this this guy was always doing such a thing to make himself seen. And so I was just always like, dude, you're whack. You know, like, come on, dude. Like, just, just kick back. You know, just let this go. And I remember and I remember the Lord started to work on me because I just didn't have peace with him. And so one thing that I did in order to make peace... As I started doing this, and it, like it was a treat for us to go and get like Gatorade. Like people would go to Costco for us in San Diego and come back to Mexico and bring us all kinds of stuff, right? And so for us to have candy or just anything like of these things from the grocery store, we were just so stoked. And one hot day, I just felt the Lord tell me, "Hey, go give that guy a Gatorade. Just go and bless him and say, hey, man, I just want to hook you up. Just here you go. It's a small thing. It is the hardest thing for me. It's like, no, I don't want to give it to you. He's been a, ooh. Little buster. I'm, no. <laughs> I want to give it to them. You know, I don't want to do anything for them. They've done this to me. 
makes me look like a fool in front of the guys, tries to, you know, clown and put down. It's like, dude, kick back, you know, like I just, so the Lord is like, yes, you need a bless. And I'm just like, I'm like, he should build the bridge. He's the one doing wrong. No, you are the one. Okay. So I go and I can see it. It is like, I'm like, hey, I want to hook you up, man, with Gatorade. He's just like, I couldn't, like, couldn't believe it. Like, huh? Are, are you sure? Yeah, man. Just, you know, here you go. It was just like so hard, you know, for me to see it. He had no clue what was going on inside, but I'm just like, here you go, man. You know, Lord bless you. And that started the journey of us together. That started the, the work of God mending that relationship and making it better. And I started to pray for him. And I started to give more to him, and my heart was just drawn, you know, just like, I, man, I just want, I love this guy. I just want to bless him. Thank you, Lord, for this sweet brother. I've missed out on the sweet. Look at this guy. He's got some amazing gifts, got some good blessings to give to me. I've missed it, man, because of my pride. Because i got to be Mr. Cool Guy, and I can't accept this one. Come on, man. And God broke me. Just as he broke Saul, right here in this moment, just as David was the one who ministered to Saul, and I was the one who ended up ministering to this brother out there, even though I didn't want to. And there was great reward at the end. Let's close it up. Saul continues saying, And thou hast showed this day how that thou hast dealt well with me, for as when the Lord had delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he not or will he let him go away? He's saying, Man, if you find your enemy and are able to kill him, why would you let him go? Wherefore the Lord reward thee good. For that thou hast done unto me this day. And now behold, I know well that thou surely will be king. And that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. Swear now therefore unto me, the Lord, that thou wilt not cut off my seed after me. That thou wilt not destroy my name out of the father's house. And David swore unto Saul, and Saul went home. But David and his men gat them unto the hold. Man, Saul just straight up exalts David right there in the end. You see that? Gosh. He's just like, man, you truly are the king. You are going to be the one who's going to be king. And I'm telling you, listen, your labor is not in vain, family. Josh, it's hard to step out. It's hard to bless people that are hard to bless. Yeah, I know. But when you do, your your labor is not in vain. You will win in the end. I promise you that. You will win. I've noticed this, that no matter how it works out in the end with, I'm sorry, no, no matter how a conversation goes or, hey, I approach somebody that I'm having a hard time with and I make amends with them, at the end of the day, if I've done everything that I could to make things right, I can walk away. And you know what? The blood is not on my hands. The blood will haunt them for the rest of their days. And one day they will come to you and say, hey, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. That was incorrect. And you will be blessed. Your labor is not in vain. I know it's hard to step out. I know it's hard to do these kind of things. Forgiveness is one of the most difficult things in the church today. To forgive those that have wronged you. Truly forgive and to go and bless them. It's hard, I know. But that's what we're called to, family. We Christians be a, get to be a light in this dying world. Who does that anyways? You know anybody? 
Very few do these kind of things, these kind of works. Jesus did that. They beat him and he died for them. They nailed him there and he said, forgiven, for they know not what they do. What a great God. He loves you. Did you know that? I think we need to go into a, a just, I think we need to lift these things up to the Lord. I think that God has done a work in each and every one of you. Uh, there's some here tonight, maybe more than others. But I think that you need to lift that thing up to the Lord. Maybe he's speaking to your heart and you're just like, man, I need to talk to the king about this. I want to step out. I know what I need to do, but I don't know how and I don't know what. Hey, we need to pray. And so I'm going to pray. And I want you to be lifting up that individual thing. And then I'm going to give you about a minute to talk to the Lord by yourself. Please don't waste this time. I would encourage everyone to open their mouth and speak to, the, to our God, not so loud so the person next to you can hear, but loud enough that you can hear yourself. Don't let your mind wander. Don't miss out. And if everything is okay, and maybe you don't have any odds, then have God search your heart to see if there is envy within you at anyone within the church or the body of Christ, or if there is any of the Lord's anointed that you feel or don't know that you've been cutting. Let's go before our King. Father, oh, you're great. You're awesome. We enjoy you. You're so wonderful. I'm so happy you found me. I'm so happy that you, man, just thank you. And Lord, just as you've shown through your word tonight, I hear you loud and clear, King. I know, I know, I know. And Father, these things, I just ask that you would bring them to our faces and that we would look into that mirror and see right into ourselves and know exactly what we need to do. And Lord, this simple principle, I ask that you would apply it to every single person here tonight. And Father, that you would start to change us. For we do not desire to be the same. We want to move forward. We want to be changed, God, to the people that you desire us to be. We want to bring glory to your name. So please, Father, would you work these things in us. And right now, King, I'm just going to have the people talk to you. And so please, would you hearken unto us. Would you lend us your ear. Would you hear your people. Let us go before the King with these issues. Let us have him search our hearts. And let's bring these things to him. Let's talk it over with him right now. And Lord, um, thank you. Thanks for listening. You don't have to. I know. You, you, you're just gracious. Father, the things that we have discussed with you tonight, I just ask for every single one of these that it would be, it would take root, that it would grow deep into their hearts, God, and that the change would come, that they would follow through with their 
their commitments to you, God, or whatever it is that you have spoken to them about, that they would have open hearts to receive and to be changed. Thank you for the work you're doing. Bless these in your name. Amen. Amen? Amen.